When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon. It's one more show, short show for you. Coming out at 5.30 for a Rangers pregame. We'll get a little bit more NFL talk. Of course, some more talk about Texas football as we start to get prepared uh, for the game against Wyoming this Saturday. Start to move past the big weekend in the win over Alabama. Move on to Saturday's game against Wyoming. Get ready for a full season of Texas football that we're pretty excited about. Uh, of course, big fat poll of the day coming up as well, too. Uh, you can join the conversation, 512-337-3776. And you can uh, hit me up on social media, at It's Patrick Davis is the best way to hit me up there. Let's get into it, though. Uh, we do our off early, 530 again today. Tomorrow, you'll be able to join E and Rod B out at Wings Up. Uh, they'll be doing the show with me from 5 to 7, so they will be out on location. I'll be here, but you can go join uh, Rod and Aaron out at Wings Up, and if you need any more information on that, you can go to hornfm.com, and they will have all the information for you there. Uh, the Rangers will be taking over at 530. Uh, the West. it was looking like the Astros were headed in the right direction. They had the easier schedule. They were playing the A's this week, and we know the Rangers are playing a huge series against the Blue Jays. Blue, they look great. They won, uh, they've won. won the first two games. Uh, Max Scherzer doesn't allow a run, but does have to leave the game early. I believe in the six uh, with uh, spasms in his right tricep. He's getting an MRI today, so we'll know more about Scherzer's health. But the Rangers coming back at it. The Mariners get a win yesterday, too, so everybody's in within two games of each other again in the AOS because the Astros have been struggling at home. So the Rangers looking good. They seem to have turned around. Apparently playing the the worst teams didn't help them. They, they had, playing the Astros didn't help but they were able to uh, turn it back around. They're going to be playing again today, another 6 o'clock game uh, against the Blue Jays, so we're off at 5.30 for pregame. But it becomes much bigger now. They're a game back from the Astros. The Astros have dropped two to the Oakland A's, the team that is tanking, the team that doesn't want to be winning, and you're at home. And this has been a persistent problem for the Astros is uh, not being able to score at home. They continue to say, like, the only real thing that the Astros have said that may be the reason is the batter's eye, which is basically the the blank spot on a field which kind of lets a batter uh, you know, not see anything and focus on the pitch and just see the pitch coming in, and they say it's too distracting. But, I mean, the A's have put up 10 runs in, in these two games, and the Astros have put up two. So I don't know what it is, if it's psychological or what's happening that this team cannot hit the ball at home, but as soon as they get on the road, they're great again. I don't know what it is. They need to figure it out because I don't think this batter's eye thing is going to hold water. I don't think anything's changing. 
So you can't keep using this as the excuse of, oh, well, you know, we just we don't like our own home ballpark because we can't see the ball as well. We need to figure that out because everybody else is seeing the ball just fine. No one else is having a problem scoring runs at Minute Maid Park. Only you are. So you have to figure that out. Some people are mad at Dusty Baker because Maldonado has been in the last couple of games. They like to have him in for the pitching, uh, but his hitting hasn't been great. And, you know, he had a couple home runs in the Rangers series, but of course at home he's hitting terribly. So they want Yanni Ardias in there. There was a whole controversy about Chas McCormick and that Dusty Baker didn't like Chas McCormick. And Dusty had to come out. And I'll actually play the audio for you. But Dusty came out. And he's not happy with everybody talking trash about him and not that Chaz McCormick and Yanni Ardias and and they're saying that those guys need to light up the offense. The reality is they're just not hitting at home. So on the road, a lot of guys are hitting. And, yes, Yanni and Chaz should get playing time. Here's Dusty Baker uh, addressing the Chaz McCormick uh, rumors about him not playing. That's coming from at all. And it's caused kind of out there, which is unnecessary, totally unnecessary, and it, and it seems like, you know, somebody got something against me, they had to just they use against me and not use my players against against me, I mean, that's, that's, that is so wrong, and uh, as far as Chaz not playing, Chaz, you can ask Chaz, I told him before he got hurt that Chaz, you can have this job if you want it. I'm not going to give it to you, but, but, but if you want this job, you can take it. Then he got hurt. He was out 20 days. 20 days. Imagine how many more events he had then. And then he said he had, I haven't played him. He, he's played 42 out of 50 games. That's one day off a week. Every seven days. That's that's a lot of playing. And, and plus, I pride myself in putting guys in a situation where they would most likely succeed. Whoever it is, offensive, defensively, and as far as his weight is concerned, if I had something against him with his weight, you could ask him. I wouldn't bring banana pudding once a week. Yeah, no, nah, the audio is not great, but he goes on for another 30 seconds to a minute about the banana pudding he brings Chaz McCormick. So he's, it's not a problem with his weight. I don't know. He's saying he's playing him a lot. It does not feel like that. I think maybe he's throwing in some pitch hits and pinch runners and guys when he came in in substitution. But we know as it gets closer to the playoffs, I think he's going to fit more into these lineups. Deonier Diaz is a little bit tougher because you do really like having Maldonado behind the mound. And if Michael Brantley didn't come back, then you can kind of put him in the DH and put Jordan Alvarez out in the outfield. But if Jordan Alvarez, but if Brantley and Alvarez are playing, you're going to move Alvarez to the DH, which means Diaz has to be behind uh, home plate or at first base. They don't really like him at first place either. They prefer him behind the plate. So there, it becomes a problem of too many, too many guys, and no one is really hitting at that high level. They also like having uh, Dubon in that lineup as well. So a lot of issues. But they play the uh, A's again today at about six fifteen, I believe six twenty. And that's another big game for the Astros because the Astros drop three straight games to the A's. It gets swept by the A's at this point in the season. You really have to kind of step back and figure out what is happening at home. You got to figure that out anyway because once you get to playoffs, you don't want to be, you know, basically hoping for road series. That seems crazy to not want a home field advantage in the playoffs. So you've got to figure out whatever's happening at home and you hope that you could do it against the A's. Apparently they can't. I know there's some difference of when you're pitching against when you're hitting against pitchers that are playing at a high level 
and are really trying to – you can kind of game plan for them a little bit better and you know kind of where the pitch they're going. And against pitchers who are just kind of working on stuff and going for it, you may be not – you don't know what's happening. You should still be able to hit if you want to be a division-leading team. They need to figure that out. Uh, we talked a little bit about yesterday. The big, Patrick's big fat poll of the day yesterday was about Aaron Rodgers going down and the Jets needing a replacement. Why is this topical for uh, for us? Uh, because who plays the, the Jets this week? It's the Dallas Cowboys. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We do know that they're going to have to put somebody else on this roster before before they play the Cowboys just because we know Daniel Jones got destroyed. You know, they couldn't protect. Michael Parsons basically blamed the Giants for not blocking him enough after that game. So Zach, Zach Wilson's got his work cut out for him. He's going to get beat up. You need to have a backup. You assume Tim Boyle, because he already knows the system, he was on the team in the preseason, he's on the practice squad. You assume Tim Boyle will be called up and be on the roster this week uh, is the hope. You'd like to have another guy kind of in the wings, I'd assume. I think I don't think they have another quarterback behind that right now. You know, we pitched out some names for you on the poll. You know, good Longhorn fans that you are. You went out ahead and Colt McCoy won in a landslide. I, I, I've heard, though, that the part of the reason Colt McCoy is not as sought after right now from some of these teams that you would think that he would be a much better backup for uh, is because he is dealing with a few nagging injuries. He has an elbow injury and some other things that are kind of a reason that teams may want to give him a few more weeks before they start paying him money if he's not going to be able to play at the level they want him to week one. That is just what I've what I've seen reported. Uh, but that would be a reason why some people may be a little bit more uh, trepidatious about signing Colt McCoy right now. There's all some other names. You can go out to Matt Ryan, who looked terrible, but everyone looked terrible on that indie team. You go get a Phillip Rivers, who was apparently the backup quarterback in waiting if the, if the 49ers end up winning that game where everybody gets hurt and, and all their quarterbacks are gone and they go to the Super Bowl. If they go... If they win, they beat the Eagles. Then apparently, Philip Rivers was who they were going to sign for that game. I, another name that's not talked about, but was a big name a couple years ago. Drew Locke was a guy that you know didn't do well in Denver. Goes to Seattle, is fighting out Geno for that job. Geno gets a job. Of course, he's not relinquishing it. If you're Seattle, you may take a pick for this. I know we had a man Brock who works here at the station brought up Sam Ellinger. I don't know if that's a guy that you necessarily want to put in there as a game manager, but maybe. Maybe if, if Indy doesn't want him, if Indy says, you know, we're moving on, we got Anthony Richardson, we don't really need Sam Ellinger. I know Ursay's a big Ellinger fan, but, you know, maybe you go out and go get him. And, and you try and bring in somebody else young. And you try and take a shot with somebody that, you know, might be able to do it. Because if you're the Jets, this defense is really good. The defense is what won the game. Garrett Wilson is really good. So you have some things on this team now, it would be funny if you get an Ellinger or somebody like that because then you get a Westlake to throw into Lake Travis and it just becomes no one knows in Austin who to root for. But uh, you do want to have – you do see that this this Jets team still has potential to make the playoffs. And I get that their goal was to win a Super Bowl. But you know who gets hot at the right time, who knows what happens. You may be able to get in there and an injury happens just like what happened to Aaron Rodgers and you get in and you make your shot. Uh, you know, anything's possible once you get there. You just have to continue to c- compete in division – it is going to be very tough. Buffalo loses that game. I, I think they're going to figure out some of what they need to fix and not turn the ball over, and hopefully they figure out how to put Josh Allen in a better place and they're able to play some of these games. But you have Miami in that division as well. New England's not going to go away. They've hired an offensive coordinator again. I'm not a huge Bill O'Brien fan, but at least they have an offensive coordinator instead of a D.C. and a special teams coordinator. At least they have a real 
someone who knows how to call plays in there. So you have to be able to do something because I don't think you're tanking with all this talent. You remember that window is is not that open. It's open right now because you got a lot of young guys. But once those guys start all getting paid, that window starts to close. And if you can bring in a young quarterback that can game manage, so if you bring in a Colt, you know that's a one-year rental. You're getting him. You bring in a Matt Ryan or a Phillip Rivers, that's one year, and then you're hoping Aaron Rodgers comes back the next year. But if you go after a Drew Locke or a Sam Ellinger or somebody like of that caliber that is not, you know, a big name right now, but, you know, maybe they have a little bit more potential than a Zach Wilson who just doesn't look good, and that was how good he looked against a team that had no idea he was playing, prepared for a completely different style of quarterback, a different type, and they were still able to completely shut him down. And if Garrett Wilson doesn't make a catch of the year candidate, they lose that game. I think you got to go out and get somebody if you were there. I appreciate everybody uh, uh, that voted in the poll. We'll put up another one. We'll bring that up here in just a few minutes when we get to that part of the show. And some notes for Texans fans. Uh, more bad injury news. More bad injury news for the Texans. The season is not going the way you were hoping just solely on people being able to stay on the field. Uh, Noah Brown and Hassan Ridgeway both go on the IR out for at least the next four games. That takes one of your receivers off. That takes one of your big interior D-line presences out of the game. Jimmy Ward it w- was not practicing today. Jalen Petrie with that bruised lung, was ha- they're having him sit down at the side of practice because they don't want to go, and he's still, he's still not even listed out for this game. But you assume Jalen Petrie will be out for this game coming up. The good news is, uh, Mechie is practicing today, may be able to come back, and with Noah Brown out, you figure Tank Dell and Mechie are going to get a little bit more uh, run there for the Texans. But more bad news, that O-line's beat up, the D-line's getting beat up. They're going to have to figure out that, that health and conditioning and strength and conditioning in uh, Houston because there's being some problems right now. Something that will give you no problems. Our friends over at the 40 Acres Collection, I want to tell you again about some of the best Longhorn apparel you can find and you can find it at the University of Texas Co-op. The 40 Acres Collection offers exclusive and custom-designed apparel for the whole family. Limited edition, on-trend, fashion performance, luxury apparel. It's wicking SPF 50, and it's easy care. This is going to make you feel good, look good. It's good for the environment. Everything good is what you're going to have in this. And I'm telling you, I keep getting compliments when I wear my shirt. I wore it last couple Saturdays going around. Sunday, I was gonna. I wore it to the store, you know, maybe a little bit of Peacock after we beat Alabama got to work around and you know what you look nice in the shirt too so it's not something where you're wearing you know the beat up nacho stained t-shirt you're wearing some nice clothes there from 40 acres apparel and it's gear that gives back 40 acres has made a financial commitment to the university co-op course material scholarship giving free course materials to longhorn students every penny of profit from the co-op goes directly to course material scholarships and the co-op thanks 40 acres for expanding scholarships this academic year so hey man if you want to go up and check out ian rod b tomorrow you want to go check them out on location? Maybe stop by the co-op. You want to go down, tailgate some before the Wyoming game? Head on by the co-op and check it out. If you're just around town, you know, we're getting some nicer weather. Well, it's it's not 100 degrees. You know what it means? It means you're going to be wearing some nice shirts. You want to get out there, feel good in it? Go check it out. The University of Texas Co-op. Get geared up with a new 2024 collection of the 40 Acres Apparel. Hook them. All right. Let's get over to some Texas football before we have to get out of here at 534 uh, Texas Rangers pregame. But I do want to get to some things that we need to talk about with Texas because now we are on to game week. We are on to Wyoming. We are now Wednesday. We are now moved past it. It's a great win. But now we have to start talking about, all right, there were some things in that game, which is a good thing. You want to have things to work on, right? You want to be able to look back at your game film and say, okay, 
the ball bounced our way there. What happens if it doesn't? Hey, you know you missed a block right here. You want to be able to show these things so you can still go through this whole week of practice and, and kind of, you know, you don't want to beat them down, and we'll talk, we'll show, play that as well. But here's Sark on Monday talking about areas of improvement, things that he saw in that game, and this is only on Monday, so I'm sure he's found more by Wednesday. Here's Sark talking about the areas that they need to improve, kind of getting you leveled, ready for Wyoming, a team that is 2-0, already beat a Big 12 opponent. Here's the areas to improve from Sark. But like anything, there's things for improvement. We already touched on the offense. Uh, we've got to take care of the ball better than we did. That thing cannot be as loose as it was. Um, you know, we still missed a couple opportunities in the red area where we had chances to score, which is somewhere where we definitely need to improve. Uh, I thought defensively, you know, we got a, we got a little sloppy in our coverage and, and allowed them to, to make some explosive plays there in the fourth quarter, third and seventeen. That they get a big completion over the middle, and then obviously the the long you know catch and run for the touchdown was just a you know just awareness of, of what we're trying to do coverage wise and um, you know when we when we play really great football we minimize those explosive plays we're, we're very aware situationally uh, so areas for us to improve no question you know, as we as we move forward. So a couple of easy ones you mentioned there. Turnovers, of course, they did not turn the ball over, but they had the opportunity for it because you had the fumbles, you had that got recovered, you had the bad snap on a fourth down play that could have been disastrous. And I know if somebody just falls on it, it's like you didn't pick up the fourth down. But if someone picks that up and it's behind all of your players, if Jonathan Brooks runs into the pile instead of doing his job, which is what he's supposed to do, and make sure if that ball pops out, he jumps on it, that's his job. He does his job perfectly. But if he doesn't, if he makes a mental mistake and thinks he can help push Quinn Ewers forward and that ball's just sitting there and an Alabama player picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown, that changes the game a lot. We also, he mentions, getting over the top. Jaron Thompson, now Jaron Thompson gets burned on the play, and it was just a good call play where they switch up. He gets kind of stuck in man-on-man against one of the fastest receivers for Alabama. He breaks on it. He doesn't get a good read on the run, and, you know, and allows him to get behind him. It's a touchdown for Alabama. He comes back and makes a great play later. You know, a little bit later in the game, makes an interception on that on that quick run for for Texas, where they put up 14 points in like a minute. That that right there is what you want to see. So he makes up for it. I'm not. It's not criticizing Jaron Thompson, but it is something. Looking at the Texas defense, that there's been a few plays this year where they allow guys to get past him. As much as I love Anthony Hill, he is a dynamic player who can make a lot of plays for Texas in this year and going forward. Simple things of understanding who you're playing, understanding what your job is in that moment. And there was a few too many times he overcommitted on Jalen Milrow. Texas is going to play a few more teams this year with mobile quarterbacks and quarterbacks that can get out of the pocket. And if he is set there to be a guy kind of as a spy or or even as somebody just rushing, you have to understand when the defense, when the offense is a tr- tricking you into going one way and you're falling straight into their trap and you're going to allow a guy outside to get 20, 30 plus yards. And it's a difference because when you're playing Alabama, it's very easy for all 11 guys to be super focused. Everyone knows what's going on. But once you get to Kansas and they have a good quarterback and he is a quarterback that can move and you're playing Kansas now and you're at home and you maybe don't and you have two guys that miss focus, that's a touchdown. And so you just have everyone has to be up on their game. You can't allow those little things. That's the stuff they're going to be working on in practice. Now there is a lot of positives that came out of there. That the leadership, that the bounce back ability, the the elasticity of this defense and and this offense can tell you that there's a lot that can be fixed. That I don't know if those things could be fixed in game 
the last couple of years. They look a little bit easier to do that. But you have to be able to coach this team up this week to get them ready for a Wyoming team that it, it, it is you shouldn't say, well, this team is going to dominate. I mean, they beat Texas Tech, who then also lost to Oregon, but put up a good fight. But they beat a Big 12 team. If you don't show up for this game, they can upset you. They can ruin your season real quick. But Sark wanted. Sark also talked about the confidence of how do you coach a team when you're trying, they're riding high, and you want to keep all the confidence and belief in themselves and all of that going. You want them to be fully on board, fully ready, thinking they're world beaters because you need that. You, you built that up all offseason so they could go into Alabama and not get scared and, and not have the moment too big for them. But now you got to bring them back down to earth a little bit and tell them we're not there yet. That We're not a team. We didn't. First of all, we didn't beat Georgia at Georgia, who's a defending national championship. We beat Alabama. That's great. Nobody beats Alabama at Alabama. Uh, not taking anything away from the win. But you didn't beat the national champs. So you you got to be good enough to beat the national champs. Here's Sark talking about confidence, talking about how you try and coach this team up, kind of bring them back down to earth, but keep that confidence level up. They are confident. And, you know, I think one of the mistakes I can make is try to beat them down and, and, and then knock the confidence out of them. You know, I've, I've spent two and a half years trying to instill confidence into them. And so uh, I want to be mindful of that. But two, I have to point out areas for us to improve and where we can get better as a team. And I think, you know, ultimately for me being transparent with them um, all of the time, good, bad, ugly, whatever that is, that I've earned their trust, um, that I would never guide them in a direction that, that wouldn't be in their best interest to, to perform at the highest level. And so even today when we went in and, and okay, here's the plan, here's the messaging, here's what we're trying to do this week, um, I felt like they accepted that message and they accepted it as a challenge and now they go, need to go put forth the work to, to prepare to go do that. So, um, I, again, it's a little bit of a slippery slope because, again, you know, when, when you're overly confident, sometimes that's when you can skip the details. Well, excellence lies in the details, and so we have to make sure that we continue to press upon that way and, and whatever those details are uh, in any phase of the game. And that's the difficult challenge for Sark this week. How do you get your team – to still be as confident, still be as active, still be, you know, believe they can beat everybody, but also understand they still have to go out there and execute at the highest level, that that anybody can beat you on any day, but also you can beat anybody. It's a weird, thin line to walk. Hopefully the leadership on this team, the one thing that really impressed me in that Alabama game in the third and fourth quarter, the leadership on the sideline, that's going to be huge because Sark can only do so much, and the rest of the team is going to have to step up and get this team where they need to be. That is really what you're going to need. You're going to need this team to self-regulate everyone's ego. Not getting on to people too much, but when you get a wide receiver that maybe is feeling themselves a little too much and not hitting the blocks they need to hit anymore. Or you have somebody, you have a running back who, man, they're, they're pretty pumped that they just got a bit, broke a big run and they start swinging that ball out because they made one big move. You need that leadership on the sideline to help get them focused back up in the game. In defense, you make a big sack and you you don't get back and you get a penalty. You're out of position on the next play. Those are the types of things that the leadership on the sideline is going to have to do. All right, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. All right, 
So Texas beat Alabama. That was a lot of people's toughest game of the year. That was a lot of that was a lot of people's what are you worried about the most game of the year. Now we have a different viewpoint. You know this Texas team can compete on that level. We know this Texas team can beat anybody that's put in front of them. We know this Texas team should be able to go undefeated and run the run the table. We know that's also probably not the most likely thing. We know they could get snagged up somewhere. We know, you know, the human error and human fallibility will lead you to believe that something may happen. So big, big fat poll today, 512-337-3776, and online, of course, the Horn ATX, and uh, we'll put the poll up there, and I'll put share it on mine, at it's Patrick Davis as well. After week two, we've seen some teams lose. We've seen some teams win. We know a little bit more of what we're looking for for Texas. After week two, which game is the scariest for Texas left? So now Alabama's off the schedule. Who is it? Is it the OU game now? Are you worried about that OU game? They didn't look great against SMU, but we knew SMU was a decent team. Is that the game that you're most worried about now? Is it Kansas State? Kansas State's a hell of a team. Is it Wyoming? Is it this week? Is it this week that you're scared? That they're the the you know, everybody gets too overconfident. Are you worried about that week? Or is it none? Are you just flying high? No worries. Watch out national championship. Is that where you're at? Tell us on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And tell us online as well. We'll put up the poll uh, right here after the show. Giving you up to Texas Rangers baseball. This is uh, the last very early show. As far as I know, the schedule should be done. The Rangers are not playing any more 6 o'clock games. Uh, appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Wings up. Ian Robby, informationhornfm.com. They'll be joining me tomorrow, 5 to 7 p.m. Be safe. Be kind. Keep your underwear clean. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Sports Complex on the Horn.